here at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guest host or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Hello, world. This is TJ Morris, and you're listening to ET Radio, sponsored by American Communications Online. Welcome aboard, all you ground troops spinning around smartly on the planet. We've had a lot of people getting in touch with us. I understand there's a lot of things happening in the universe, and uh, we're going to take a moment to get hooked up here. My tech is working diligently to hook us all up uh, properly. We can't get on through our normal director Skype right now, but we're working on it. So, uh, Mad Painter, I can see that you're here on your Skype, but it's going to take me a few minutes to get uh, hooked up here. So, we're running a Mad, but I have uh, I can't do the board. So, what I will do is uh, let you, if you don't mind, uh, can you call in from your Skype and run the board? Uh, let me give you the, uh, do you have all that inf- information written down? Because uh, I'm looking at my computer, but my Skype, uh, my co- internet's down. So uh, my grandson's trying to get it all hooked up now. The tower's down, which is like when you go down. So I apologize, folks. It's all paid for, and uh, we can usually get in on Skype or direct or just call in like I'm doing. And uh, I'm really excited to uh, have Dr. Arena Scott, PhD. Hopefully she's here, but I'm blind. It's like uh, I have to run a board and I can't see it So uh, because my computer's down. So not my computer, uh, it's booting up with, you know, I've got to wait for all the dots are turning green and everything. And uh, it may take me a minute or two more uh, waiting on this so I can see everybody. Uh, man, I'm not sure what to do, so I'll just keep talking right now, Mad. But I was going to get you to see if you could call in. Uh, but uh, Mad, you would, I'm called in on the normal number. You have a four two five two nine two number for the code call in, and then I can just drop this off. But then I won't be on the show until I get booted up. So right now, uh, let me just tell you, uh, Dr. Irena Scott has been on before uh, one time. And we just didn't really get to cover a whole lot because the time goes by so fast. And I had no clue this was going to go down while ago. It went down at five minutes till when I was trying to get on, and the screen was stuck on my computer. (laughs) And I've been on it all day. I was like, what the heck? And a friend of mine, Janet Carolesson of Maui, Hawaii, with our Ascension Center organization, ACF, uh, just talked to her. And I had no clue. I was sitting here looking at the show like normal. Counting the countdown at five minutes till. I saw a mad painter was here. And uh, just so you know, Ahmed, it went down when you were on hold for 0.051 seconds. So that's when it went down. So hopefully, if you can uh, hear me, you uh, know that uh, I'm here and we're running this show. But let's see if I can. it doesn't have a number. Uh, I'll have to – let's see if I can reboot. It's, uh, I'm, it shows waiting for a host right now. It's a countdown. So how is that possible if I can see that but I can't get in? So uh, – nope, says this site cannot be reached. Darn it. Okay, I'll reload. I'm watching all my buttons on my tower. Uh, folks, I apologize out there in cyberspace. Uh, it's a 3D reality check. They're all buttoning, doing something. Uh, but 
uh, I've still got this site can't be reached, so it may take a few minutes. It says blogtalkradio.com server IP address could not be found. Checking the proxy firewall and DNS configuration, running Windows Network Diagnostics. So that's where we're at now. And uh, I've been learning a lot lately. And so I was hoping that Dr. Scott would assist me, being that she has all this intelligence work that she's done and cartography and all of that. And I can't even see that to talk about it. So I I think from now on, I'm going to make sure that my producer uh, can pull in the board as well. And we'll be cross-training, co-hosting each other on this board, uh, which is a technical situation that we don't have any uh, buttons. I mean, we have buttons to push, but we can't push the buttons. So uh, what is cyberspace security? Okay. What's cyberspace security, and how does that relate to space waste? Well, at least you can hear me right now as long as my phone doesn't run it, run down. <laughs> so, uh, Matt, if you can let Irina Scott know that we're working diligently on putting this uh, box back on so I can see because my, my board's gone and uh, it will be here soon. But uh, maybe, Matt, if you can hear me, I know so little and am amazed at how much I do not know. So making friends these days is a good thing in cyberspace, and some of them can help us. Some more than others have the time or will take the time. It's just like in all these organizations we join for support is the fact that many uh, people will not take their time to be in service to others anymore. But we still believe in a lot of people that do. And one thing I learned about years and years ago, we'll say 20 years ago when I was working in public uh, service and uh, back in the day, and I was tied politically, which I'm no longer after 20 years or so, but back in the day when we were helping people, senators and governors and things like that, they'd come into town to, you know, it's that time again to talk about who's going to be put in office. And uh, back then, I noticed working for a little weekly newspaper, they had to pay, and the little, even the little weekly newspapers wouldn't carry the political uh, type of uh, you know, free information, like if an author or a musician or something, uh, they may do a public interest story on them and not charge them, but not so with politics. So it takes a lot to be a politician these days, but I'm hoping that some of them are going to pick up on cyberspace security and space waste because we have a lot of forgotten satellites out there. And I don't know if that's why all of a sudden I've got a lot of notice from a lot of people uh, in uh, friends, social media, people in the intelligence world, or is it because I don't dabble over there in politics anymore, so I'm curious. So maybe it's the content we're providing, and meaning that we are sharing uh, Allied Command Organization as a group of what it was supposed to be was about the Allied Command in Universal Space, which is out there above the satellite area. And uh, yet I'm getting people telling me about uh, cyberspace security and a friend of mine, Richard Pruitt, came over. He's a lifelong friend, talking about his days with the Air Force and guarding the plane for President Reagan when he was out there. And then he was not Homeland Security, and he worked in security at the 
Atlanta airport. And uh, then, you know, he knows I'm trying to start a community of people that are veterans and prior government. So uh, I'm trying to talk to me, but I can't see it yet. I, I have, I'm mad I can feel you, but I can't see you. I'm trying to get something on here. So uh, please forgive us for not being in communication, folks. But, uh, you know, I would like to know more uh, how to speak the language because uh, I was an investigative uh, journalist, most more of an investigative reporter, to be honest, with working for attorneys and uh, going out and helping them. Uh, okay. Uh, it looks like I'm coming on now, folks. Looks like I've talked enough to find a way to get in. So this is something by Monday we're going to have a manager's meeting. And uh, the managers of the different radio shows that we market and promote and cross help each other will uh, share this among ourselves. So let's see. It looks like I can now get on. Uh, it's finally booted up. So uh, I apologize. It's only 7.09, believe it or not, on my clock. So, yeah, I've wasted more than that in the beginning <laughs> for more people. So uh, it's uh, it has nothing to do with the poor people, which normally you'd think, oh, they can't afford it or they didn't pay their bill, but not so at this time. Everything is paid for. Our finance committee is in good shape. It has to do with the tech community. <laughs> so without further ado, it says I am live. I can see my screen. Now, you guys will see the front. So if you're calling in or you've heard that we're doing a show tonight with Dr. Scott or you've seen it on Facebook, you know I was excited. And we're, you know, you have to be uh, ready for anything, folks. It's just the way the world is. And so everything is an opportunity to take advantage of a uh, time. Oh, good. I can see. I can see there is light. So here we go. It says uh, Dr. Irina Scott, Ph.D., ACO Club. That's uh People that are close to me, friends, are sort of my think tank, with T.R. Becker, which stands for Thomas Rubin Becker, also known as the Mad Painter, and T.J. Morris, who is moi, Teresa J. Thurmond Morris. And now we're going to get started with Dr. Irina McCammon Scott. She's an author of several books. She has physiology, radio, <laughs> oh, radioisotope. It's it's coming in now, techniques. There you go. I can almost see mathematics and statistics, chemistry, physics. My goodness, this lady has done so much, and she's worked in aerospace and been a physical scientist, cartographer, and worked around photogrammetry. And these words are so long I can hardly say them. Cartography, astronomy, mapping celestial bodies, surveying computer languages, and other clearances she had. And... Um, you know, it's really an honor to work with people that have actually had a need-to-know basis and clearances, and she just happens to be one of those. But she had a, a second arsenal SF-50 U.S. Air Force ACIC Aeronautical Chart and Information Center, later DMA Aerospace Center Aerospace, National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, and uh, she provided charts and graphics to assist in planning and executing on the Apollo 11 missions. Uh, determining lunar orbits and finding landing sites. So that's fun. Uh, we should have her meet Ken R. Justin again tonight. He's uh, tied up. 
So this is my second attempt at getting her and uh, Ken with NASA together, but we'll keep working on getting people together. Now, she has uh, worked with the Defense Intelligence Agency, I understand, and uh, she was an analyst in Washington, D.C., and she has Ph.D.-level positions, and uh, we'll just let her tell it the best way that she can. One thing that caught my interest was she was at Lowry Air Force Base, maybe or maybe not the same time I was. I went in uh, second rehire, a 4 by 10 I believe, 4 by 10 boot camp was, um, I came in on 429.85 to 429.93, but then I did another contract. But let's get, uh, let me see if I can, Ahmad, are you here? Let me look. Let's see. Ahmad, can you hear me now? Am I here? Yes, I'm here. I couldn't couldn't do anything because you're already logged in on your phone, so it wouldn't let me do anything. Oh, okay. Yeah, the co-host, okay. uh, And I'm not sure how to run the co-host, but thank you. She's calling in number. Direct? Okay. Dr. Scott, can you hear me? Hello? Yay! Hi! Can you hear me? me? Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Okay, well, uh, Matt's here, and he had you call in direct because he's having – I, I don't know, Dr. Scott, maybe you, you could explain more to us about uh, the sunspots and the stuff out there. But go ahead, Dr. Scott, and say hi to Mad, and then introduce yourself, if you would. We'll do a quick sound check with Mad. Go ahead. Say hi. Well, hello, uh, Ahmad. Um, good, good evening. Yeah. I'm, I'm having real bad storms around me, so I was afraid I'd just get kicked off, uh, you know. And if I if you, if I'd have called you and had you on mine, then if I got kicked off, you'd get kicked off too. So <laughs> I know. <laughs> all right. Well, I think we all sound good, and this will go right up on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, iHeart, uh, FM radio, podcast, Beancast, uh, even YouTube, all kind of places. So all this stuff is just going to be out there, folks. But we're just people. So, Dr. Arena Scott. Would you please introduce yourself in whatever form or fashion that you would like to have recorded and sent out to the universe, please? We really appreciate your patience. Okay. I'll just introduce what positions I've had, okay? Yes. Um, I received my Ph.D. from the University of Missouri College of Veterinary Medicine and Physiology. I did postdoctoral research at Cornell University and had a professorship at St. Bonaventure University. It sounds like there's noise in there. Um, My MS was from the University of Nevada and my bachelor's was from the Ohio State University in astronomy and biology. And I've done research and teaching at um, the Ohio State University College of Medicine and the University of Nevada. Um, I work for the Defense Intelligence Agency. Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're you're doing good. Okay. Um, yeah, I have a call coming in. It's a problem. Um, I was employed at a PhD level by the DIA, research in satellite photography, including its air order battle section, which involved aircraft identification 
and above top secret security clearances, I was employed in MS level work as a physical scientist cartographer at the Aerospace Center, um, also using satellite photography. I also worked at Battelle Memorial Institute, and I've been sent for work-related purposes to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. <clears throat> I was a volunteer astronomer at the Ohio State University Radio Observatory, also called Big Ear, which is noted for the WOW SETI signal, which may be humanity's only signal from ET. Um, I'm an amateur astronomer. I've taken flying lessons, and I was a correspondent for uh, Popular Mechanics magazine. I've published books and works in peer-reviewed scientific journals and magazines and newspapers, and my photography has been published. Um, so far as UFOs, I served on the MUFON Board of Directors from 1993 oh, to yeah. 2000 and was a, a, a consultant in astronomy and physiology and a field investigator. Um, I was also a founding member of a group, a local group called Mid-Ohio Research Associates and editor of their notebook. Um, I've published in the UFO literature in uh, the MUFON Journal, the International UFO Reporter, and Fake Magazine. So that's my um, resume, <laughs> my bio. It's pretty impressive. Uh, TJ, are you still here? Hmm. <laughs> oh. She may be on. She may be on mute. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, you have a book out that I find in, intriguing. Uh, I, I spoke with you about it a while back. It's uh, it's uh, inside the lightning ball, and uh, uh -huh. that's not your last book. Your last book is Sacred Corridors, right? Yeah. Uh huh. Uh, but. Uh, I was telling TJ a little about the uh, Inside Lightning Ball, and I'd like you to uh, tell our audience. Uh, I mean, me and you have talked about it already on my show on another station, but this is completely another station, a whole another set of listeners. So I, I would like you to ex explain that uh, book a little bit to our audience, please. Uh, it's about – the others are about um, my UFO investigations, and inside the lightning ball, it is about my own UFO experiences. Um, I call it inside the lightning ball because once I might have been inside lightning ball, and I took a picture of it, and I compared lightning balls to UFOs in my book. And I started out by thinking that lightning balls are prosaic objects. And after doing a lot of research, I think some of them are kind of weird too but would you want me to describe my um my ufo experiences yes that'd be great okay um uh these started out before i ever heard of ufos or anything and many many years ago my sister and i had an experience and it was a lot of years later before we figured out that it might have been UFO related. But we were small kids. Um, I think she was about four and I was about six in a um, 
we were really poor and we lived on a farm. Um, we were sleeping in an attic room in beds on the other side of the room with walls that sort of sloped up as attics do in a space of about three feet in between the walls. We um, hadn't heard about UFOs. We had just, our parents had got electricity, but we just had one radio and things like that, so we weren't knowledgeable about anything. We hadn't heard of UFOs or anything like that, so we didn't know anything about what was happening. But um, it was night, and it was a clear night. My whole family remembers this, so I have other people that will mention it too. Um, I woke up, and this object was flying around our bedroom. I had no idea what it was. It looked like a piece of hot metal, and it was just sort of going in a browsing motion. It was flying around the room, and at that young age, I realized it wasn't anything normal because the room was dark, and it avoided things like it wouldn't bump into a wall and it avoided furniture and things like it could see or like it knew where uh, things were. And it flew around. It got close to both of us. I had no idea what it was, and I didn't say anything to her. And I didn't even know she was awake. But apparently we both woke up at about the same time and were watching it. And it flew around for a while, and it was just like a, it looked like a piece of metal. It was small, and it had a glow around it. Well, after a while, it flew up to the ceiling, but it didn't hit the ceiling. It turned at a right angle before it got to the ceiling, and there was a lamp turned off in the middle of the um, room. And it flew to that. It didn't feel its way around or anything, but it just circled, began to circle the chandelier. And it seemed to know where the chandelier was. It didn't bump into a wall. It circled between the chandelier and the wall, and it just circled and circled and circled. And it seemed to speed up a little. And then it just took a perfectly geometrical spiral down under the chandelier. And at that time, I just suddenly became absolutely terrified, so scared you couldn't believe it. And my sister started shrieking at the same time. We both were terrified. We um, ran out of the room, and we ran bumped into each other and fell down the stairs screaming and shrieking and we went to our parents who didn't really believe us so that was <laughs> our first experience with a um, possible UFO and we had no idea what it was but many many years later I read writing by Jenny Randalls she's an English ufologist and she talked about bedroom type sightings where Small children will see small UFOs like in their bedroom or someplace. And then later, when they grow up, sometimes they become repeat sighters and see more. And usually this is just one person. And so and usually nobody believes a kid that comes down and says, well, something was flying in our room. But in our case, there were two of us. And then we later had sightings together, a sighting together when we were adults. And so this was a pretty unusual event. Right. Um, so, well, 
you, you've actually been a, a, since, since you were what seven? You said I think six. Six. Okay. So uh-huh. you, uh, and so you've been a, a, a contactee for your whole life, basically. Then I've had experiences. I don't know if I'm a contactee. I guess people would yeah. call it different things. Yeah. Well, I've never had one, so I'm not really sure how the terminology goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you hear me now? At all? Can you? Yeah. Hear me? There we go. Uh-huh. Now you're back. Okay, is it full on or, or, or am I muted somewhat, Matt? It feels like I'm talking into a brick. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, is uh, it? it's kind of muffled. Okay, I'll call back in on the other line. But, yeah, to, uh, just so you know, folks, there's uh, lifers like myself and Dr. Scott that have been uh, involved with beings of one type or another or some type of intelligence that wants to make sure we know they're around. And some people break it into um, the contactees, the abductees, and the experiencers, and there's many more others besides that. Uh, then they break down those interested in UFOs as enthusiasts, or researchers, or they call them the nuts and bolts, meaning the craft only, and then those that are interested in alienology are those driving these ships are in command uh, alienologists of anyone that's like I, I call them extraterrestrials or anything and it, it's more of a spiritual essence so it's really a play on words and we're going to be discussing a lot with taxonomy and what's out there and all of that so Dr. Scott is highly uh, I guess absorbed in the energy that we talk about and I've never been to any of these events so any UFO events, I'm looking forward to my first whenever that happens. UFO Congress sends me an invitation every year. I haven't got one from MUFON. I don't guess they send cordial invitations or asking. I don't know, Dr. Scott, you may know more than that. But, uh, you know, I guess you have to be a member or something to get cordial invitation. But I do have myself on their email list. So we'll have to talk about all those events. But now, is it that you are going to one of these events with MUFON? They haven't had it yet, right? The uh, 50th, or have they already had the 50th anniversary in California? Yeah, I'm I'm a speaker of their annual meeting this year, which will be in July. Oh, okay, okay. Well, give us a little intel on that. We're, you know, me and uh, Matt are putting together uh, both the UFO Association an alien contact organization, organization together with uh, the national director, Dr. Bruce McAbee, but also for the ACO Association, which would be more of a volunteer group. And I guess it's a lot like MUFON. They're all nonprofit and volunteer. So we're going to try to do the same and hope you can assist us with that. And Amad can tell you about that. But uh, tell us, first of all, about what you know about the 50th. And I know you've met Jen Harzen or know of him, but... Tell us as the people, again, that you remember. You go way back before I got involved in 2008 uh, with Dr. With, – no, it was Captain McDonald. And uh, before that was uh, – I think it was James Curion. Uh, Carrion. Carrion became friends yeah. of mine. So, yeah, James Carrion and, and Captain McDonald. I don't even know his first name. The one was in Dayton, Ohio. So anything about that prior you could help record here would be great. And I'm going to swap phones. So imagine you know I'm going to be back on mute while I call back in on another phone, okay? <laughs> okay. There you go. Go ahead. Uh-huh. Me? 
Yes, Hello? ma'am. She wanted to, she wanted you to uh, tell us about some of the uh, people that you have met over the years involved in the UFO phenomenon. Okay. Okay. Um. Hello. Um, I can tell you who I I was on the board of directors several years ago and I can tell you who else I met back then if you're interested. Yes, Um, ma'am. That's that's what she was uh, talking about. Uh, Didn't you meet uh, Heinlein at one time too? I talked to him. uh, I've talked to him and met him. I didn't really know him very well. I published his handwritten letters, though, and uh, he invited me to his home in Arizona once, but I wasn't able to go. Um, I'll just list some people I did know from back then. Uh, One of them was Walt Andrus who was the international director, and another was, um, he's dead now, um, another was John Schusler, the deputy director. Um, he did a lot of research on the, um, oh, I forget, it was in Texas. It was um, where I big object came down and it was surrounded by helicopters. I can't think of the name of it, though. And he was one of the original founders of the MUFON. Another one was um, Thomas Dooley. And I think he worked for the for NASA uh, government agency. Another was Tom Whitmore, who was the treasurer of MUFON at that time. Another was Antonio Junius, who was the international director. The director at large was John Mack, who was, um, he's written several books and he um, specialized in folklore and and psychiatry and approached the UFO phenomenon from that direction. The director of field investigation was Kathleen Marden who's still highly active, and she's a niece of Betty Hill. Betty and Barney Hill were uh, um, among the two first people in the United States whose um, abduction was publicized. Another one was Director of Investigations was Raymond Fowler, and he's written several books. Another one... um, was Robert Woods, who is still very active. I, he used to be active um, with MJ-12 and things. He's, he's a physicist. Another was a director of special investigations, who was Stanton Freeman. And everybody knows Stanton Freeman. And unfortunately, he died recently. Another person was George Fowler. He was the regional director of the Eastern USA. And he... Um, still publishes on the internet recent UFO sightings. 
um, the abduction study group was headed by Bud Hopkins, who unfortunately is also dead, but he did a lot of work and wrote a number of books such as Missing Time. Walter Webb was the astronomy advisor, and he's written a book. He's written several books such as uh, Buff Ledge Lodge, which was a book about abductions, and he's also um, an astronomer. Lou Ferris was in charge of the news clipping service. He's still somewhat active. Um, Janine Andrus was the wife of um, Walt Anderson. She was the office clerk. So uh, Bruce Maccabee was in charge of UFO photo analysis. So those are some people that their names should be recognized that I used to. Every uh, one of them recognizable. <laughs> good. <laughs> Have you ever had any dealings with George uh, Green? George He's Green. dead now. Yeah. yeah, he just passed away recently. That's why I was wondering if maybe you knew him. I don't remember him. What What did he do? Well, he, he was a, a, a researcher into UFOs, but uh, really most thing he's famous for is he invented the dividend. <laughs> <laughs> He was an extremely rich man, and he felt that he needed to get out information about UFOs and contactees and stuff. And it was, uh, you know, it's, it's a shame that we've lost him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't remember, but there's a lot of people I don't remember, too, because I didn't know everybody there. I, I was on the board of directors, but I just met, you know, particular people. Now, I have no idea if he had any contact with MUFON or not. No, I, I've got no clue about that. But, uh, oh. Dr. Scott, do you take Space Magazine? What? Oh, I'm sorry, Matt. There was a delay there. Do you, by chance, take Space Magazine or Space.com or Scientific American? Could you give our listening audience the best way to keep uh, – International magazines or uh, particular sites like space.com, uh, they ran uh, June 26th, a nice uh, article uh, with MUFON in it. Let's see what it's called. Uh, they yeah. were doing space.com. Do you read that by chance? Um let me look at it. I'll tell you the name of the magazine. It says, oh, space, let's say space. Well, that's what it is, space.com. And then they have Space Insider. Leonard David is a columnist. So he just recently, uh, oh, they reposted it, I guess. UFO Legacy, what impact will revelation of secret government pro program have? And then I'm looking on down. And uh, maybe they upgraded, or I could swear I saw June 26th on here, and today is the 28th. But advanced technology, uh, other than you, you were part of that program and uh, like a magazine, and I was hoping that you could give us some inside information on uh, what topics you personally, since you've been in this for so many years, 
would like to see in our magazine. We're putting together one about space and the Allied Command and working together with everybody that deals with space as a space advocacy group. Is a, Do you have any magazines you'd like to subscribe to yourself? Well, I subscribe to um, Science Magazine, but I do it oh. online. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Is it Scientific American, or is there another just Science Magazine? This is this is Science Magazine by the American Association for the Advancement of Science, AAAS. Okay. Um, well, I just need to know what we need to take that's attention That's a peer review magazine, isn't it? Part, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. I, I've seen it a couple of times. It's pretty good. Okay, sciencemag.org, would that be it? Uh, HTTPS, sciencemag.org, A-A-A-S, become a member. So that's what you have, sciencemag.org. Okay, I'm looking at it. Yes, it's a really nice one. I'm glad you pointed it out to me, Dr. Scott. I was familiar with Scientific American. I didn't, I guess I've never, isn't that funny? We can be on the same planet <laughs> using the same cyberspace, but not be able to go to the same location. So how about that? That's just, I didn't know about this. So thank you. So that's what this is all about, helping people Find what we should be sharing, you know. It's uh, information, educational information. <laughs> yeah, Scientific we'll American is a really good magazine. I usually get it on the newsstand. I should subscribe to it, though. I subscribe to Science News, which is, um, uh, I think it comes from the government. And it's just sort of an update on everything that's going on in science. Oh, Okay, and you get that online as well. I'll be sure and put links. Uh, I'll come back and listen to this recording. So any help you're giving us, we'll, we'll follow up and pay attention to, Dr. Scott. Is you'll be sort of like our consultant. <laughs> <laughs> but we appreciate well, that help. Mm-hmm. I get another one that is the latest advances in space, but I have to go to my computer and look at what the name of it is. Um, you want me to do that? Well, uh, I guess you could. That'd be a help. Yeah, anything like that uh, <laughs> that you feel like we should we should uh, pay attention to. You know, that you think has good information or knowledge. Sure, we'd love to know things like that. I'm mad. This is just things we need. You know, we can put free LinkedIn's on our acoassociation.com and ufoassociation.com and our alliedcommand.org, we're going to build that. And then you've got ACO Press on ufosecretspace.com that Janet wants to help build out. And, uh, you know, we can put news and journals and links well, see, to – Yeah, that, that's what I have planned for this uh, magazine that I'm working on now is to expand it more into it like that. I mean, the first one is just fluff, but, you know, we're going to expand it and add more pages and everything else, more departments to it, you know. And uh, having to look at these other magazines is a great idea. You know, it gives me ideas. Yeah, so we can put LinkedIn uh, uh, links, folks. Anybody can put other links to other web places, but we'll try to make it a little easier for you as we are uh, veterans, myself and Ahmed and Ken Johnston working together as the new directors for the next three years of ACO Association. So we're looking for 
get ideas to promote Allied Command, Alien Contact, and UFO Association. And now the UFO secret space that Ahmed's willing to pick that up under ACO Press. So uh, you know it takes a, it takes manpower to put all this together. So we're working to make this work. So are you back, Doctor Scott? Yeah, uh, this is a free one that you can get online. It's called Earth Sky News. Earth Sky one word and then news, and it's really good. It comes out about every day and gives you the latest information on astronomy. Oh, okay. I've got astronomy now. I've got AAS connected to it. Earth uh, Sky News. Now, I do know AAS, and I promote that on my blogs and websites. So Earth Sky News, I just found it, earthsky.org. So they're an organization, too, and mad. So uh, we're putting together uh, – we have ufoassociation.org, so we can put all these on there. And then we have uh, acoassociation.com. And then we have alliedcommand.org that we're running a magazine, and I guess we can put anything that's space-related or space advocacy. Uh, tell me, Doctor, I wanted to ask you a question now that we've got Earth Sky, uh, and uh, Mad can look at that, and Science, Scientific American, and uh, AAAS and AAS for astronomy, and I follow that one in Scientific American. So we'll put those links, folks in uh, our free open source commons part, but we're going to put together our own little newsletter, come out monthly, and then we'll have a, a bi-monthly, uh, meaning every other month, a bi-monthly, is that right, bi-monthly? Yeah, because bi-weekly is every two weeks, so bi-monthly is every two months. Just having to check the <laughs> taxonomy <laughs> of epistemology. <laughs> but Dr. Scott, I'm really with excited. All, it, it, with me doing all the work, it takes me two months to put it together. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll try to help you on the next one, I promise. I, I'm a good content provider, but I have to do a lot of research because I know very little about all this. So, you know, I only know what I know and what I've experienced, and that can only take you so far. So then you have to connect to the inside and outside both. You know, I use a lot of my inside. But, uh, uh, Dr. Scott, I don't know how uh, you do what you do and how you stay in riding these airplanes or jets to and from these uh, events that you speak at. But now you're going to be coming. Where, where are you located on, in, the, uh, in Ohio or Middle East or New York? Or where are you located? I'm in the center of Ohio. So you'll be taking uh, out of Dayton maybe or, or Cincinnati. Where are you flying to uh, L.A.? LAX? From, from Columbus, the John Glenn uh, Airport, International Airport in Columbus. Now, Over are you us. flying into the John Wayne, or are you going into uh, LAX, or do you know your ticket will be right into LAX probably, huh? Los yeah, Angeles? Yeah, I should look at my ticket. I don't remember right now. Yeah, but you've flown to LAX before. It's really busy there. <laughs> Very busy. Yeah. Now, now being, being there in Ohio, do you know Mark Snyder from Ohio Ectopolitics? Uh, is he in UFOs? Uh, yeah, he's uh, he does a lot about with Billy Myers. He has a radio show and a blog, sh uh, uh, podcast show, too. I thought maybe you've been on his show. No, I don't know him. 
Okay. Well, but you have helped with journals for the mutual UFO mad. So, you know, Dr. Scott can uh, give you some pointers on our little journal. We hope to have more journals uh, that will gradually, uh, they're going to start out together and then we'll have some partner journals. I'd like to separate alienology from ufology and phenomenology are the three main themes. And then I'd like to get into uh, uh, what's uh, relatively new in neuroscience. It's by location and how we can be in like quantum physics, two places at the same time. And they're, I'm just starting to work on the research on that. And then today, some people in LinkedIn were sending me information that you may be more aware of, cyberspace security. So uh, we were discussing Lowry Air Force Base and some of our training. Do you remember, uh, or can you say, have you had any training of uh, satellites or anything, uh, stellar space or any formal training uh, with space or space waste out there that we create as humans? No, I was in uh, photo interpretation, and I had a lot of training in that and in cartography, but I didn't, uh, I don't have any training at all in um, uh, waste in space or any of that. Yeah. All right. That's just a new uh, trend. It's not, it's, uh, should, we should all be aware of space waste because people, what must go up comes down and they're trying to figure out if they can, some of these satellites that are old or going out or have been hit by space debris or whatever, uh, some of them are just sitting out there and they try to pull them over into a zone. I forgot what they meant, X zone or something, but I'm looking at that for 2021 commercial Starship launches. SpaceX, and you know we're putting more and more things up, satellites up every day, and so they're going to get to be more and more because they're going to have individuals that have their own satellites. And I've known people uh, when I was living in Hawaii. One of the gentlemen I worked with, uh, my husband and I, uh, he wasn't in the government; he was a lawyer, but he had five floors of a of, a, of attorneys only, and he had his own uh, satellite. So. Uh, people are going to own more and more satellites. And I was just wondering if you knew anything about that. But, you know, that's something you can address in the future is there's a, more and more uh, people going to space and how we can look at who's launching. Because SpaceX, you know, that's Elon Musk. And then Sir Richard Branson has Virgin Airlines and then uh, all kind of other companies. So uh, what do you follow these days, uh Dr. Scott, that you're interested in with the human world? Anything particular? I read a lot about um, quantum mechanics and that sort of thing. I try to keep yeah. up with on. But um, it's pretty fascinating. <laughs> good, good. That's my thing, too. So we, that's odd that you and I both do that. I love quantum mechanics. Quantum physics, anything to do with consciousness, neuroscience, and uh, how that works with science and the way we talk, not just astronomy and, and earth science, but space. Now, uh, Ahmad, did you have any direction you wanted to go to? Because I was really curious as to uh, how she helped MUFON in the past and got that journal going. 
but at the same time, I wanted to, you know, discuss how we in the government and veterans and all that can come together and still feel like we're in service because so many of us, once we're retired. Well, the, the only thing I wanted wanted her to talk about, you know, with you was I wanted her to explain what she was, what she had experienced with the ball of light. And I thought it was very interesting and it was uh it was unusual. I, I haven't heard this before, you know, other than from what she was telling me on my show a, a while back when I had her on. Okay, so that was the orb of a ball of light. And, uh, doctor, uh, could you expand some more on your theory or your philosophy? Uh, we're not asking you to just you know say this is fact and I endorse this, but because we know you're a PhD and you have to stand behind science and findings of fact. However. We all have a life story, don't we? And, uh, you, you know, I think it's – if you could expand some more on your own personal opinions would be most helpful to people, uh, you know, even me because I've had out-of-body near death, and I'm trying to put it all together in another category outside of alienology and phenomenology and ufology. I'm not sure what that's going to be, but it's going to – it's different because not everybody's a contactee, a abductee, or – Feel like they're an experiencer, and they're not just into the nuts and bolts. They're interested in, like you said, quantum physics or what's going on out there. What are we really, you know, consciousness? Can you expand on that ball of light or a theory, maybe? Well, my sister and I had some more um, experiences, if you'd be interested in that. Sure. Okay. Um, this is one that it's sort of complicated. It was a very long UFO experience. It took about three days and covered a lot of geography. But later when we were grown up, I was living in Washington, D.C., working for the DIA in satellite photography. And my sister was at Drew University in uh, New Jersey taking postgraduate work, we decided to travel up, since we were both on that end of the country, we decided to see the New England states and just go on vacation. And so I left from Washington with two co-workers and drove up to Madison, New Jersey, where she was, took pictures of them and everything. And then she and I drove on up to Boston. We were going to stay at Boston and see Boston, but we got there early. And so we decided to drive on up and see some of New Hampshire. We took Route 3 up for a ways, and then we thought it was going to be dark pretty soon, so we turned around and came back. It was kind of interesting because we actually were in about the same place as the end of the Betty and Barty Hill Um sightings where they had the abduction we came back to boston and couldn't find a motel room and so we decided to look around the outer belt and as we were leaving we began to see this object south of us travel it was just a it was just one um white light and we could see the airport south of us which was the norwood memorial airport we could see the planes coming in from the east and going across the freeway and landing at that airport. And we could see, you know, their 
um, wing lights are green and red wing lights and their landing lights and different things, we could watch them. And this light was a whole lot different from anything that from the other airplanes. We started arguing about it. And my sister kept saying, maybe this is a UFO. And I kept saying, oh, no, it's a helicopter blinking its landing lights. I'd never seen anything like it either, but, you know, I thought it must be something normal. So I was thinking, you know, but I'd never seen a helicopter blinking its landing lights either. And so um, we were arguing. And that time we both told each other that we had UFO sightings. And it wasn't something that people talked about. And so both of us didn't say anything about it, but we both had UFO sightings and we both said that. So we kept following it. We were looking for motels, and so it was going south, and it was ahead of us, and we were going south, too. Um, and as we went through a woods, the, we were on Route 95 going south, which is the main uh, freeway that goes north and south along the coast. Um, there was a woods on the west side. And I looked at, there was a transparent ball in the woods, and it had, it was maybe 50 feet from the car. It was like a basketball, except you could see through it, and there was a light in the middle of it. And it was going through the spectrum of all shades of red and all shades of blue. And I couldn't imagine what it was. And the inside of our car lit up in green, and I couldn't imagine what was going on why our car would light up in green. And I looked around, I saw green nowhere else except in our car. And I kept looking at that ball thinking maybe it's shining something at us, but I couldn't see any green in it either. And so anyway, then we kept on going and we resumed our argument. And we were driving along and finally, my sister kept started yelling at me to pull over because she said the big object, the, the other object that we were watching was going to go over the car and so um, was going to go over the freeway. And so I pulled over and I thought she'd just gone batty and I pointed my hand out the window because I was going to say, see, it's a helicopter. And instead I saw a real distant falling star. And then this big thing came over the trees, and I changed my mind, decided she was right, that this was not a helicopter. What we could see was seven big windows. They were square, and they were very clear. It was on the side as it went um, across the freeway. Um, it was blinking in a – we both sort of discussed whether we were – really seeing windows or panels, and we'd seen all kinds of blimps and blimps with lighted sides, and we both thought we were looking in the windows, and like we were looking on the inside of it. It was completely silent, even though it was going against the wind direction, and um, it was blinking in a sequence, such as the first three windows would blink off and on, and then all seven would blink off and on, and then the last four would blink off and on. And then it'd start that cycle again. And it had a uh, red light on one end and a green light on the other. These are real dim lights, and they weren't blinking. They, were, they weren't like airplane lights. 
And so we couldn't figure out what on earth it was. And I had a Polaroid camera in my back seat and high-speed film in my trunk. And so I got them both out in the dark, and I was trying to load my camera. At that time, a truck driver pulled over in front of us. I thought this was really a good deal because I thought we'd have another witness. I thought he must have pulled over to figure out what was going on and what that thing was. I had my camera ready to take the picture, and I thought this is an amazing picture because I'm looking at the inside of a UFO. And I thought I could get a good picture of the inside of a UFO, and maybe I could get several and get um, even kind of try to get it in stereo or something. But anyway, the truck driver came and stood right beside me and asked what we were doing, which is real funny. And so we pointed at the object. We didn't say UFO or anything like that. We just pointed at it like it was an airplane and said, what is this? And he turned around, just rotated around the opposite direction to where we were pointing and said, I don't see anything. And then he turned around and faced me again. And I knew something was wrong then. And then he asked the same question again. And we pointed at it. And he rotated around, looked in the exactly opposite direction where we pointed, looked up at the same altitude and said, I don't see anything. And then he turned around and faced me again and pointed to his head like the crazy sign and went back to his truck. And then he just sat there and watched us um, while we were there. Well, I had, well, another thing I forgot to mention was is that right when we first saw it, my sister said that she had seen it shine a light on us and that she saw the light inside the car. And then, um, then I, that was right after we stopped. Then um, while I was paying, trying to take the picture and talking to the truck driver, well, she said the object had just suddenly got into another place that it was there and then it was someplace else. And I didn't notice that at all. I was sort of concentrating on trying to get a picture. And I had high-speed film, and I was afraid I would get uh, lens flares or something from the freeway. And so there was a hill nearby, and I ran up the hill to try to get a good picture. And I did get a picture. I came back. I didn't know I had a picture until I came back and looked at the pictures. Um, and with a puller, you have to coat the pictures and everything else with the stuff. But anyway, it was, um, so I looked at the pictures and knew I had one picture and saved it. And then um, the object went over to the airport and began to circle the airport. And it would go in this real pattern place where it would turn its going north to south in a semicircle. It would turn its um, lights on twice and it would start south with its lights off. It would turn them on, turn them off, turn them on. Just so retrace its position. And then from north to south in a semicircle, it was so fast you couldn't even see it. It was just amazing how fast it was. And I heard sounds like a sonic boom or a jet, and I thought it must be a jet. Maybe they're sending jets up. But um, I found out there were no jets there. And um, 
it just kept circling. And so, anyway, all the airplanes didn't land then, and we both looked at the airplanes, and they were just circling above, and we both discussed that, that no airplanes are landing. And we thought the airplane pilots probably didn't know what was going on with the uh, what what that thing was. If I'd been a UFO person then, I would have tried to find out more from the airport and see if anybody had anything. But they didn't have the internet back then, and I wasn't a UFO investigator, and so I didn't do a good job of investigating. But anyway, we decided we didn't know what direction it, the object would take, and we wanted to try to follow it and figure out what it was. And we were heading south. And we decided, and we'd been following south, but we it, it was kind of a little bit north of us after that. And so we decided to turn the car around at the intersection, the next intersection. So we got onto the freeway. This truck driver got right behind me, right on my bumper, and chased me. Um, I thought we were going to get killed. I couldn't get rid of him. I switched lanes. I slowed down. I speeded up and everything else. And... He just stayed right on my bumper. He was shining his bright lights in my mirror, and I was blinded, and I thought we were going to crash or get killed. So after some chasing for a while down the freeway, I decided to try to swerve off the freeway from the left-hand lane so he wouldn't suspect I was going to swerve and get to an intersection and swerve. And this was a really bad thing to do because if somebody was coming faster on the uh, left on the right-hand lane, we would probably crash and get killed. And so I, I was going as fast as the car would go right then, and he was right behind me on my bumper. And so I swerved, and we got off the freeway and survived. And I turned around and started back. But when I got to about the same place, which was east of the airport, the thing was still circling. But then it took off in the north northwest. And so I followed it back up the freeway, and the ball of light was there, and the inside of the car turned green again. And so then we followed it, and we finally wound up on this real old beat-up road with, um, it was gravel with potholes and everything, and houses a long ways away, and so narrow, you couldn't even turn around. And it was just going a little bit faster than my car would go. And so I finally had to turn around. And we still couldn't find a motel, and so I headed back to um, New Jersey. We got back about 6 o'clock in the morning. We might have had missing time. Bud Hopkins interviewed both of us and had me do a timetable. We had forgotten our watches, both of us. But I kind of made a timetable, and we might have had missing time. But anyway, we got back. To, um, her dorm and called her parents and told her um, roommates who didn't believe us and slept for a while and then I was supposed to pick up these two co-workers but they never showed up and I waited all afternoon which I didn't want to do I wanted to get started back and finally I started back and returned to Washington DC and then I had a poltergeist experience so that was um, the adventures we had, another sighting we had.
Right. Uh, what, what I was talking about was when you thought you were inside the ball of lightning. Is the experience? Oh, okay. We've talked about your uh, on the last show you had. We talked about your uh, abduction or uh, your uh, uh, sightings. This particular one, I was, but we never got a chance to talk about it when you were inside. What you thought was inside the ball of lightning, which I think is a mind type thing. I think it has to do with quantum physics and time and everything else is why I was wanting you to talk about it a little. Okay. Um, this this one I was talking about was kind of funny too though because of the lights in the car and the light shining down on us. Oh yeah, well was, the guy the guy the truck driver is kind of scary. I mean what you know? <laughs> Yeah. And we didn't know I mean, I still don't know whether he was a real person or whether he had something to do with the UFOs, and I suspect he had something to do with the UFOs because he saw, we saw him during a close encounter, and he was very threatening. Um, but inside the lightning ball, what happened was is that I was in Texas, and I was uh, sort of on top of a volcano. There was a... It was in a place where there were extinct volcanoes, and on one side of us there was a big volcanic uh, uh, extinct volcano with an uplift in the middle and everything. And on the other side there was um, this big, real big cauldron, and Marfa, which is famous for uh, balls of light or maybe UFO sightings, was on the other side of the um, house. And it was, so it was a really interesting house. It was up in the air on top of the crest between these two volcanic uh, formations. And I had my camera going, my video camera going, which was really handy. And there was a uh, cell tower about 150 feet away with guy wires. Well, I was standing there and I was taking pictures of the volcano a video and suddenly there was this bright lightning bolt that came down and landed right beside me it was um it was real close to me horizontally but i was on a deck a wooden deck about 15 feet off the ground and it landed about if i'd been on the ground maybe three or four feet away from me it was right beside me with a loud noise and a very, very bright, and it looked like I was just encircled by white light, like a big circle or sphere around me or something around where it landed um, with my camera going. Uh, and so I thought I must have got a picture of the lightning bolt because I kind of saw it, and then everything just lit up in white. And then the um, electricity went off and the uh, fire alarm went off. Well, I was blinded for a while because it was so bright and I couldn't hear anything. But I went in the house and when I could finally see again, I replayed the um, video and all I could see in it was white. And I was just totally disappointed because... I thought, oh, I could have, I saw that lightning bolt and I should have photographed it, but all I had was white. And then, um, so I was real disappointed, but later I came home and put it on my 
computer and slowed the whole thing down. And what the video took a picture of, it was, it took a picture of, it was just taking the normal picture of a volcano. Suddenly everything turned white and you could hear the, you could hear the thunder at the same time as the lightning. So it was right on top of me. And um, then everything turned white. But what was really interesting was is that the camera got something I didn't even get. And, I mean, it must have been able to photograph while I was still blinded. But after everything turned white, well, then you could see a big short of electricity, like really big, going right up a guy wire from the... um, from the cell tower, which was quite a ways away. And that was right after the whiteness. And so, um, and then after that, you could hear the uh, fire alarm going off. And so it was really interesting because it kind of showed what happens when lightning hits. But it was pretty amazing because the tower was, the um, guy wire was maybe 120 feet away from me. And it was pretty, there was all this white on the, um, in the video. And then you could see this real big short going up the guy wire. The guy wire was big, heavy wire. And you could see just the shorts going up it to the top. And so it had to come from my direction because just when the guy wire close to me was the, um, lit up and the rest of them weren't. At first I thought it hit the tower, but then I'd seen it hit right beside me. And then I realized that it had gone through the ground, the electricity had gone through the ground to the guy wire. And so there must have been a huge amount of electricity to be able to sort up the big, thick guy wire. And then you could hear, after that, you could hear the fire alarm go off. And so it was a pretty interesting sequence of events and I looked up lightning balls because I was beginning to wonder then if all the white I saw wasn't might have been a lightning ball and it could have been I might have been inside a lightning ball and they can be big things and they don't necessarily have to move Um, some of the literature said they can be as big as a truck and that's sort of what I saw was a big white thing around me when the lightning hit and there was this big white thing and that's what the video captured too. And then I got the, um, the uh, electricity sorting up the guy wire, which just showed how strong the lightning was. And I put it on YouTube too. So <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> that's, uh, see, that, that's kind of what interests me because when lightning hits, it goes to ground. It doesn't go back up a wire. <laughs> You know, so I, I thought there, there's got to be something more to this. Uh, when it happened, it, it was it only happened in milliseconds, right? It was real fast, right? Yeah. Uh huh. So, so you didn't experience any kind of uh, time loss or anything like that, then? No, because I got the whole thing on film. I mean, right. I didn't turn the camera off. What was going on? I got the whole thing right while I was filming it. Now, have you noticed anything different in your, you know, about you uh, since this has happened? I mean, are you more intuitive or anything like that, maybe? No. 
um, I was blinded for a while, and my ears were just ringing for I don't know how long because it was so loud and bright. But I didn't notice anything else. It surprised me that I didn't feel electricity, but I think the uh, patio was on was above ground and its pillars or stakes or whatever you call them, um, what do you call them, posts, were in. Yeah, you said they're on wood, wood too. Yeah, it was an insulator, so I think that's, that's why that. I didn't feel anything. Yeah. Now, I've had lightning strike within 30 feet of me, and I'll tell you what, wow. it's or yeah, that's I mean all the hair on your body stands up and <laughs> it's well, very frightening. <laughs> yeah, I've had it hit really close to me too, where um, I was in a kitchen with my hands on the faucet and it hit right outside the window, and boy, I got a good shock from that. But I didn't feel anything. You're lucky it didn't kill you. That you know. I know it because I was water and no pipe was in that, you know. Uh huh. Okay, Janet and I are back. I was wanting to talk a little bit about parapsychology with Dr. Scott. I'd like to tell you that um, Dr. Scott, parapsychology, and you know because you've been investigated with uh, your sister, I guess, when you were uh, did uh, transpersonal psychology or past life regression or. Just uh, John Mack may have just talked to you about your sighting. So one thing I'd like to describe and get a definite understanding with you as a scientific mind and hadn't gone through Lowry Air Force Base, Janet Carolesson, is, uh, you've been on her show, and she's here. She's very good at uh, helping us put uh, the pieces together. So, uh, Janet, would you like to say hi to Dr. Scott, and we can get into some of these uh parapsychology and psychology philosophy type of questions. Hi. Yes. Yeah. Oh, hi. Can you hear me? Hi, can you hear me? Yeah. Nice to talk okay. to you again. Yeah, good to hear uh, hear you speaking. I've been enjoying been listening here uh, very quietly. Um so I'm not sure where you want to take the show next uh, TJ cuz I missed the first part. I was um Okay. So, let me give a let me yeah, give you both, tell me where you want to go. Me, yeah. Yeah. Let me give you a little briefing. Uh I'm into the uh consciousness and neuroscience, I guess one might say, in phenomenology, which is separate from the uh stuff John Matt get did, I guess, because we're learning that uh when Janet and I was in Project Stargate in I guess like a stepchild or down five below Ed May, you know, they people unless they were working directly, uh on the beginning, it, they may have, may not know that there were other Stargate branches branching off because they were not funded after a certain amount. So with that briefing about Project Stargate, basically how the extraterrestrials pick some of us to have, why do they pick us? And this was an interesting topic that not everyone in parapsychology or anything paranormal was being briefed on is the study of anything paranormal or bizarre. And uh, the CIA or Central Intelligence Agency and Project Stargate and Ed May and all of them, uh, and I'm sure you know the name Hal Putoff, Putoff, you know, this uh, intention of extraterrestrials crossing over into abductees, contactees, and experiencers, there is a uh, higher level of consciousness that we deal with in advanced communication. I'm trying to blend it together with uh, why Janet and I were chosen, if you will, and why you were chosen for extraterrestrial or 
at least a sighting. They they say that's the bait. That's the beginning of the Stargate program. When you can see one, it opens up the scotomas of your mind to uh, being a what if or opening it up to be open-minded like a mad. So mad, I'm sure he's going to have some in broad daylight one day just so he can go, aha, so that's what they were talking about. But, you know, he's he's open-minded and he believes in it, but he doesn't know about it. He believes it, but he doesn't know. Would that be correct, uh, mad? Putting words in your mouth is that proper? Well, I, I believe. I don't need proof. I mean, I, I got no doubt there's other beings in the universe. I mean, we just there, there's just no way around it. <laughs> well, okay, let's let you uh, see where I'm going with this. I'd like you to ask me, Irene and Janet. We're all three contactee experiencers, our contact experiencers, but we have them on different levels. So I'd like to do a journal or a magazine or something, an article. Part of my mission is to bring people together, and Stargate was a key word. And Janet even used it in uh, a 2018 uh, gathering, Stargate to the Cosmos. So eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow may never come, you know, is a philosophy in Western world. So, uh, you know, how are we working together? We're all three here with you, Ahmed. So uh, you see where I'm going with this, Ahmed? You got any questions for three people? Do we all have clairvoyance? Do we have precognition? Do we yeah, have yeah. haunting? Well, see, so yeah, yeah. that's why I asked her when she thought she would have been, you know, inside the ball of lightning. Did she notice any difference in her psyche or her abilities or intuitions or anything like yeah. that? You there know, you go. Uh, they, these are questions that uh, I'm interested in. You know, and. Uh, one of them you mentioned is why particular people are being chosen and why particular people are not being chosen. Uh, sometimes they say people who are RH negative blood are often chosen. Well, I've got an RH negative blood. Uh, I'm very inquisitive. How come I haven't had any kind of an experience? Is there something that's stopping me from having an experience, or is it just happenstance is it just by chance that these certain yeah it has nothing to do with the blood (laughs) yeah i'm positive i think it has absolutely nothing i think that's just something somebody came up with but that's just my opinion see that's just so dr scott what type of blood do you have (laughs) a plus (laughs) a plus yay what about you janet janet i'm all negative i'm all negative there you go we all have different blood types, Ahmed, so write that down. We, that could be in your questionnaire, just like we did for star people. We'll have a questionnaire. So what type of blood type? You'll find out means absolutely nothing because <laughs> everybody's got different blood. And now most people who have some kind of uh, uh, contact with aliens on a one-to-one basis or one-to-many basis, but uh, an actual physical contact – they usually end up more intuitive, more in tune with reality and than the ones who just happen to have a sighting of a vehicle. All right. Well, let's see. I am known as a uh, bilocator, a psychic, an empath. I've had out-of-body. I've had near-death experiences. I've worn a uniform for the government. I've been underground. I've been up above in flying apparatus. Most people would say it's a jet. Some would say it's a UFO. Uh Janet, how about you? And let's do Dr. Scott too. You have I've had all the 
I'm very psychic. I, I see the dead. <laughs> I see extraterrestrials in the dimensionals. I've had ongoing contact all my life. Um, yeah, I, I think that I have enhanced abilities. Now, was that something that happened, you know, as uh, coming into the crib, like your husband, TJ, uh, Tom said, apparently uh, there are a lot of contact experiencers that get enhanced, uh, you know, genetically when they're in the womb. So we've been investigating that. But um, some people have uh, enhanced psychic abilities, but maybe they don't have anything to compare it to uh, before they had the encounter because they were too young. They don't remember what was it like before. But I think it's a, a tendency, but it's not 100% that those things happen, but it is a tendency. Dr. Scott, do you want to add to this conversation about yourself <clears throat> and your abilities? I don't know. I mean, I bring things that happen, but there's no, you know, being a scientist, I don't know how you study that to find out whether it's real or whether it's just coincidence. Um, and then my sister and I were so young when that started that we really didn't have much of a personality, so it's kind of hard to say if we've been changed or not because we were just, you know, real young to start with. So I don't know. All right. Well, I'm studying by location scientifically, and you can look it up in research. So I would suggest, Dr. Scott, that you would be a prime candidate for research, being that you've had these experiences with Janet and I. So that's something, Janet, you may want to, for historical knowledge and for research purposes. And uh, Ahmad, you know, you're a curious person. And, of course, science, it comes from philosophy, but we learn to do discussions of empirical evidence. So, you know, we can do journal papers and reference sources. And uh, Ahmad's putting together a research magazine of individual researchers and uh, studies and white papers and scientific uh, articles, scholarly things. And he's given it to, to our group, the ACO Association, and we're going to run it through the American Communications Online and bring in our psychic phenomenon as well. Uh, major contributors and affiliations in the past would have been uh, intelligence agencies back to Ed May in 1995, et cetera. And that's when I came into the, another program. And so uh, there's the uh, American Association for the Advancement of Science, uh, which you may be interested in, uh, the majority of the group members of the Parapsychological Association is International Professional Societies. And they were founded in 1957 and elected an affiliate of the American Association of the Advancement of Science in 1969. And that's right when I was getting involved in all this. So I find it uh, curious that a lot of these groups that were working with the government and the educational and you were going through studies, and yet you were chosen or picked or just happened to have something happen. But they were interested in tele telepathy and clairvoyance, ESP, extrasensory perception, psychokinesis, bio-PK, near-death experiences. And they call it the out-of-body or the feeling of separating from the body that's uh, often accompanied with visual perception, of course, reincarnation. But, you know, all that – it's very interesting to me, and it hasn't really been uh, scientifically really in-depth, so I believe that's something we can go into with these UFOs, extraterrestrials. What do you think, Dr. Scott? 
Yeah, I think it needs more study, so I totally agree with you. Good. Thank you. And then the remote viewing, of course, they're putting in there, technical note methodologies. And, uh, you know, Janet, you go to these things, and Janet and I won't be coming over to L.A. It's basically a financial situation. You know, it's not criticism. It's called lack of funds to get us there. But, uh, you know, I hope to bring in some evidence of PSI or PSI, and uh, I was a big uh, – I finished all the Psy Seminar stuff, and Janet went to the beginning Psy, Semista- Psy Seminar stuff, <laughs> and uh, that's how she and I sort of met was uh, doing psychic stuff in the 93, and uh, hopefully we'll get our book written about that. Well, Space Janet and Psy Seminars bringing in together what you and I have done in the past and then what Amad's doing. The four of us talking together. Ahmed, can you bring this together for Janet and I, Dr. Scott and me? Well, I, I, fully, uh, I fully believe that it, the more we talk about these things, regardless of what we believe or uh, we each have a different perception of reality, regardless that we you know agree with the other person or not, as long as we're talking about it, we can solve problems that way. You know, and and learn. I mean, you can glean just because you don't believe somebody doesn't mean you can't glean some kind of knowledge that fits to your reality off that person. All right. So the role of the mind is part of the physical world, and uh, the nature of objectivity versus subjective or subjectivity is uh, part of the uh, equation of who we are. Theologians have been working on the general public knowledge. But yet we don't want them to control the narrative. It's possible that there's spiritual implications, but historical reasons are usually founded on who wins wars. And you know, Mother Earth goes around covering herself up with the plates going on top of each other and making volcanoes where Janet and Tommy live in Hawaii. That's common. So a lot of things are just gone away with. But one thing that seems to stay, whether it's uh, theology or religious or superstition, it doesn't matter. But the main point I'd like to make with our group for our association that we're building is we draw in a brain trust of thinking people, and we just ask them to learn to think and recognize we're all uh, kindred spirits with like minds, but we all are individual components of the same species in the same universe, so we're all qualifiers. Janet, would you like to talk about any of the things uh, scientifically with Dr. Scott on uh, – you know, the qualifiers that are apparent in some of our uh, claimed research in psychological. (laughs) Your husband is an anthropologist, and he specializes in what you do. Well, we've been working with clients. He's he's a a psychotherapist, uh, anthropologist, and studying this since the 1960s, he's going to be 79 on July 9th, so he's been doing this all of his life. It's far, you know, he didn't stop with his degree. He's been doing field work and working with clients, and and I work, I've been with him since 97, so we've been working with clients. So in a way, we're studying the field because we have all these people that are coming to us uh, that have had experiences, and then uh, you and I and, and Dr. Lesson and uh, other people we've been interviewing and mad painters, we've been interviewing people since, uh, I guess, uh, Revolution Radio started in 2011. I started before uh, Revolution with Renegade Talk Radio. 
<clears throat> and then uh, I was being interviewed and going to conferences for 25 years. So it's kind of a very loose uh, scientific study. And plus, uh, you and I are, TJ and I are, are lifelong experiencers. We've been, we've literally been having experiences since the crib. So putting that all together, um, we, we're getting a, a big picture. And then we're working with organizations like Free, the um, and loosely working with them. They're kind of more directed to Mary Ruggle and other people. But once in a while, we'll do shows with them and um, meet them at different conferences and can you know connect the dots and compare notes. So what it seems to what seems to be happening is that the majority of the the um, kind of soft disclosure revelations are coming to individuals, you know. And um, and they're coming out, and at first they're going to get ignored and labeled crazy, like like Irene, you had the um, the truck driver, you know, rolling his eyes at you, cuckoo, you're cuckoo. So we've had that for years that we've had to endure, and that kind of uh, stifles our our <laughs> coming out, you know, being shunned and shamed, and it was dangerous. But as it gets known. Uh, more people are coming out. You know, it's just a phenomenon that's happening, and we're getting more pieces of the puzzle. And so, I think we've just begun. We've we just like uh, we we've had the tip of the iceberg, and now, and I get it really strong on a psychic level. That's all I can say. I have no evidence. I uh, I often say I can't even prove I'm alive. I can't prove anything. <laughs> I'm just an experiencer going through life and wondering what in the world is going on with this thing called life, right? Um, but um, I can make observations and I can meditate on things and I appear to be able to affect things now and again by my will, which is amazing because uh, TJ and I will do things and then we get feedback and we go, wow, you know, we're having some kind of effect. So I think these, all these people, like like you said, uh, Thomas, we just talk about it. Whether whether we believe it like it's, um, you know, religion or we are just expressing it and experiencing it and don't know what to do with it, it doesn't matter. We are affecting the grid, the more projecting field, and we are creating change. And the more we talk about it, the more uh, it becomes apparent and becomes obvious. And uh, I think it's, you know, in, in 5, 10, 20 years, this will be the norm. And people look back and go, um, remember how ignorant those people were. They didn't really believe in, you know, the extraterrestrials who will be walking among us. But, but apparently they do walk among us. I had a show this week and I had some people saying that um, they had several extraterrestrials you know, walking amongst us, uh, they revealed themselves eventually, and they looked just like human beings. And I know, TJ, that you worked on a, a ship, um, I guess several ships, but your major facility was the location outside Mars. Um, and isn't it true that all those, most of those beings were humanoid? Can you tell us what yeah. the people looked like that you worked with? And um and, uh, and Sasha had a question for you, but he's, he's uh, taking it up. He wanted to know, TJ, which species ordered him to kill somebody? Remember that uh, no incident? One. That was the human people. But you mean he oh, did human that people. The, Yeah, that was his choice. That was his free will. No, he was trying to show they use us because we are like their children in, in their reality. They found us on this planet billions mm-hmm. of years ago. 
So uh, when they found us here, they weren't the originators, but they are humanoids, such as you and I. You know, and they uh, they had the greatest. Well, can you can them. you can recount that? Can you recount that again? That, that tale again? Sure. Because I interviewed Tom, and he's long gone now. Um, and we were talking. Sasha and I were talking Sasha about this this morning. Yeah. Uh-huh. So go ahead. Tell us that that well, incident. Okay, uh, Dr. Scott, what Jane is talking about, it's sort of the deep end of the pool in the Allied Command. There's literally, uh, there's a two-minute video out there, folks, you can find of me talking about the Allied Command. I sent it to Mad today. Uh, my daughter that's passed just happened to snapshot me in, uh, doing a video in front of a cl- uh, uh, at a conference. And it was more Psy-Seminar type, more Psy-PK, it's uh, like a psychic conference that we uh, we're we discuss theologically how we work together so what Janet's talking about is my husband uh, when we were like bilocators this is something that is hard to explain but they, they they've proven it scientifically with quantum mechanics and existing evidence that's widespread in science now although to some people it's only theory it's randomness but for my husband and I this was reality so we actually were in a physical place off in space and uh, it's mind science so to speak but our government's way ahead of this way ahead of Stargate and uh, not everybody knows about it but some people did that worked underground so they had government people around the world internationally globally working together uh, and uh, we've worked with all nationalities, Russian, Chinese, Spanish, China. You know, people really do know at certain levels that there are beings working together discussing decidedly what we do in cyberspace. So one of these groups, the one that I know about that I worked with, they are humanoid, and uh, they do work with uh, grays, and I have explanation for that. But one thing they did as the Allied Command is they'd explain some things, and Tom every time would get in a conversation with them when they would beam in through a wormhole. We would be out there in space, so we learned wormhole technology and black holes. So uh, a a briefing would be you stay away from the uh, black holes and you travel in the wormholes. And with the uh, technology we have in space, you know when one is going to appear. Uh, And that would be very hard to teach uh, the people that are in science at Ames or NASA today, so uh, or even with the Central Intelligence Agency in Langley or NSA or Air Force or whomever. It's just too far down the road yet. But it was intended for certain people, such as my husband and I, to learn uh, how to do phenomena and finding a fact between what's purely subjective and purely objective. So we were chosen as, I guess you could say lab rats, but the information that I got was we were chosen before we were born. So I learned about that we really are essence or energy and souls before we come. So that sort of goes with the God story, which I wanted to go there, but Tom didn't. So we got in a big argument because he didn't want anybody to mess with his theology or philosophy. His dad and his grandfather were a preacher. So he didn't want to mess him with that. So some thoughts I wanted with an open mind, I didn't get to communicate. So there's holes in it. But the one part Janet's referring to is, I guess, the death and dying part. They didn't have death and dying because they knew how to do souls. So they could just put you back in something else. You know, no big deal. (laughs) 
But because the people didn't understand the reality on this planet about death and dying, uh, because they have none, <laughs> they live thousands of years. You know, it's sort of like the God story in the beginning with Genesis and Moses, you know, and they came down and said this stuff. Well, we're getting sort of a crash course because of who we are, or the DNA they imposed on us, or the 23 and the 23, 46, whatever the mixture that we are on this planet, he and I were chosen. And so he was in a class one day up there trying to teach them how we are down here, and they didn't understand death. So he pulled his weapon out and shot a person, and she – it was a she in a line, and she lay dead. And uh, then they understood death. But Janet, that was his choice. That was a lesson in space that they allowed him to teach. Now, he apparently was asked to teach by the Supreme Allied Command, which I've worked with. That is the 12 at the higher realms, and uh, they choose and run all the universes or like what you would maybe have heard from Pleiadians or the Federation or Ashtar, whoever, the groups that humans create, legend, folklore. You can't prove it, but they channel information about and make books and stories, and you go read about them in the library, especially in the New Age. So there's that level of reality, and Dr. Scott apparently has been chosen to go straight forward and influence that, yes, we know about all these other things that have been written about, but Dr. Scott, uh, I believe part of my sole mission is to come into this existence having uh, full knowledge of being aware that I have been an extraterrestrial in one level as a bilocator my entire life. Janet calls it coming in with a full consciousness. And so she's heard parts of my story with my husband's because my husband felt like we had to be protected because people would kill us. And if it wasn't our own government, and his life was uh, threatened by our own government. And I don't want to go into that because it's very complicated. So uh, does that answer it, Janet? <laughs> pretty Pretty good, pretty good. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. Now, Dr. Scott heard that in the whole world. So let's let Dr. Dr. Yeah. Scott, have you got any questions about that? That sounds real off the wall. Yeah, I just don't understand that at all. I always figured that what was going on was that humans just don't know much of anything. And um, there's probably a lot going on right, you know, where we are that we don't experience or know. Right, so you don't just drop the information on people like I just did you or everybody else that may listen and probably won't. But uh, the information's out there, and it's easily trackable and verifiable. However, I think that the people in charge, the top one percenters, are those that stay in control of running the world like we have a world to run, means that in order to keep the balance with the, uh, we'll just say, the various levels, basically banking, the World Banks and Wall Street, for instance. I'm just saying, for instance, now, I'm not suggesting. Uh, I don't want to get in where I can't do my radio show anymore. So uh, the majority of the people that listen to our types like to masquerade it as conspiracy theories, and then they throw them off the radio when they get enough evidence. So I'm contributing to what I call disclosure in my own way. Uh, can you help me out here, Mad? <laughs> <laughs> Not really well, uh, but see, I'm I'm kind of 
I want a little proof, you know. Uh, I mean, I, I don't disbelieve anything anybody says, but to to sprinkle in a little proof sure helps a lot, if you know what I'm saying. Right, and all I've got is his testimony. I wasn't there right. on that one, dang it. Which, I don't know why is, he didn't hold I mean, in was, on that one. I mean, most of it would hold up in court, but there's still that speculation there, you see. Right, and does that protect me as a witness? If Janet had me go in for the court of law, I would have to say this is what I heard firsthand. But it's hearsay. I heard it. But it's still, well, yeah, we, it's still. we had his testimonial. He, he he, we have that recorded. He testified that. He said that on the air. That's why I know it. He didn't have a private yeah. conversation with me but, about that. But his, so that's public record. But his, but his statements are still speculative. Because there's no proof other than his word. Well, how would we present that with Dr. Scott? Because she's actually going to have a testimony in front of the 50th anniversary that Janet and I are not privileged to due to our funds. She can go and present this based on this radio show. Dr. Scott, I just presented to you a testimony based on the fact that my husband uh, shared many, many stories with me, and some of them I got firsthand as a bilocator. Meaning I can feel like I'm there just like you do in a lucid dream, or you do dream, and we all do. So we're into that part of the reality now that we're explaining beta, alpha, theta, delta, gamma, but we're now adding sigma and tau to uh, neuroscience. And we're adding – you know, we don't just have five. We have seven. So let TJ, prove, yes. let me just interject that Tom was a whistleblower on his deathbed. Doing he a, didn't a like, we don't like that term. No, that's no a we don't like it, but that's what was going on. He was dying. He knew he was dying. He had terminal, uh, you know, his kidneys were failing. He, he didn't have long to live. So well, that's what they told He's telling us his personal you. truth on the way out the door. He's, and he told us, like, uh, many things, and he knew he didn't have long to live because his health was deteriorating. And yeah. he, he, he knew he came home to die. He told me that. He told me that. He said, I came home to die. And so I think that has a little bit more punch than someone just, uh, you know, I'm going to make money on it. He wasn't going to make money on it. He had nothing well, we to lose. haven't made any money. It was never well, right. So money. he was just telling this story because he wanted to get it out before he left this earth. So right. that makes it a little bit more believable than someone you know, being sensationalist. But I think that the stories that people tell, whether the, the truth or lies, tell us something. And I look at everything because, you know, they're making it up. Where are they making it up from? You know, what's going on here? Why are they wasting their time to tell lies? Or are they lying? Do they believe it? And what's making them believe it? So reality is an elephant. And we all have a different piece of it, <laughs> and we're just trying to look, you know, figure out the the elephant. But you know, it's just well, that, that's what I was elephant. saying earlier in the show, and and I also mm-hmm. wasn't saying I disbelieve that that he that he what he's saying is the truth. What I'm saying is that there's just no evidence. See. Well, what is evidence? Well, let's look at evidence. What is scientific evidence? Scientific data. Scientific data. Well, what is scientific data? Can you give me a? Ex- Give us an explanation of what is hardcore scientific data. Well, Give us some examples. Well, Dr. Scott, she has well, a PhD, okay, Dr. Scott. If okay, he chopped off one of his fingers and brought it back to us, and we can do a, a scientific analysis on it, then we'd know for sure. Well, who okay, compiles he needs a the finger. facts? Who <laughs> compiles the facts? 
look at epistemology and understand knowledge and belief are not the same thing. And we've been doing, uh, starting on that, Janet, uh, Ahmad and I did, on epistemology and actually put that out on the out for the record on uh, LinkedIn and Facebook today about epistemology, just the word alone, the difference in what's knowledge and what's one's truth and fact. So we're starting epistemology estim- estimations, at least, of what we all think as a group. So, Dr. Scott, you understand the difference in epistemology, the difference between knowledge and belief and uh, what epistemology is, but can you tell us for the record, at least in your own mind, not – you know, this is just a this is just a radio show for educational entertainment, okay? And we have a we have a disclaimer in the beginning that nobody's responsible. The theory of knowledge, especially with regard to its methods and validity and scope, is epistemology. So the epistemology is the investigation of what distinguishes distinguishes justified belief from opinion. All right, so we all have that. But Dr. Scott, how, how would you say? I think scientific evidence means your peers can do a study the same as you and prove to their peers that it can be done over and over again. That's a simple version for, you know, armchair philosophers. What say you, Dr. Scott? Well, I think that's uh, what science is founded on is the controlled experiments where people um, do the same experiment and get the same results. The trouble is um, with science is that you don't control the universe. And so when you found everything on controlled experiments, well, there's some things you don't control. And so I think there's a problem with science in that respect. Well, that's a good point, especially with you having a PhD. And, you know, a lot of people believe in all the time they put into the reality they had that they would go through the educational process and focus and get what we call uh, at least 12 years, and you can correct me on that, Dr. Scott, but how one becomes a Ph.D., and it, isn't it funny that they always say it's a, a Ph.D. is a doctor in philosophy. Is it not, Dr. Scott? Isn't that what the Ph.D. stands for? Yeah, and back uh, when they invented the word Ph.D., I think it meant philosophy. <laughs> um, there's a lot more um, fields now. And I think they... Uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, there's a lot more fields. Um, yeah, doctrine and discipline, except medicine or sometimes theology, are a person holding a doctor of philosophy degree. So that is what PhD is for. It started in philosophy. Now they have PhD, you know, they have MA, MBA, MS, MSW, and PhD. So PhD is actually a doctor of philosophy. That's what it stands for. Now they have a, a part-time psychology PhD program. I don't know how you'd be a part-time PhD, but a doctor of philosophy. And uh, it, it's you just have to look into it. But some people that still, they can may know a, a lot on their and may know more than a Ph.D. So some people have classroom education and some do not. So some that have expertise in their chosen profession or field will say a Ph.D. stands for piled high deeper. And I actually learned that from Janet Carroll Lesson and had to go ask people. And they said, yeah, that's the, that's the redneck term for somebody that's educated. <laughs> 
So Janet, she was a little redneck on me one time. She was telling me when oh, she was... it's a running joke that I hear everywhere, yeah. you know. But uh, uh, my husband is very smart. Don't don't underestimate him. And we also have to look at you know what creates our reality. Look at the people, and I'll get the statistics if I if I Google it. But there are how many billion people that believe in Christianity, and then all the sub variations on that theme. And then we have all the the Muslims, and we have all the Buddhists, and everything. Buddhist. So. That becomes a reality for these people, atheists, based on belief, and there's nothing scientific about any of it, but it still affects life and existence, and people, you know, die in, in court over it, right? You know, you, you, it, it's, it's real. It's very real because it's in your face, and if you don't make it real, other people make it real for you. So I don't really uh, follow the scientific method because – you know, I believe in science to a degree, but I believe in, you know, rock and roll. I mean, I believe in so many things. I, I think belief is what forms it. And so you got to be careful what you believe. Uh, but sometimes you believe what you believe just because uh, your mind, body, soul, and experience has created some, some uh, outcome. Like all the information goes into your beingness from your life, and then you come out with a belief. And, and you operate from that belief. Now, does it serve you? Does it hurt you? You might want to look at your belief systems. You might want to change it. But some people believe what they believe all their lives, and they take it to their grave. And if you talk to them about what's real, their reality is going to be way different than your reality. So what do we do with this? So we're just looking at a field that really is not provable because they're not going to let us cut off the fingers and bring it back with us. And, they, you know, people have told us on the shows, you know, I saw – that little thingamaboob, and I wanted to bring it back with me, and I put it in my pocket, but when I, you know, they returned me, I looked in my pocket, and it wasn't there, you know? Well, so they know what you're yeah. thinking, and go ahead. Did you yeah. ever bring something back? Go ahead. Well, I wasn't, I wasn't saying I didn't believe these particular people's stories now. Well, the we're one talking about evidence. Yeah, well, I would love some evidence. I mean, that would just make it rock solid, see? And uh, the, the one thing I do notice is you know, it doesn't matter if it's real or not. It's real to them. Yes, yes and there's, there's strong theoretical debates on, on this, whether it's spirit or religion or the meaning of life or just uh, quantum mechanics. You know, probability of theory and neurons, it's all philosophy, it's all talk, it's all words. So basically, we're in this conversation on this radio show, and Dr. Scott, I was so excited that Dr. Scott agreed to do this, folks, and hopefully in the future we'll give her more time to prepare, because she is going to be a speaker at the 50th anniversary of the Mutual UFO Network, which we're all very proud of, that was started Back in the day, and she mentioned the, the beginning uh, two men, John Schusler, and what was the other one uh, that were the founders? There was three or four, according to Wikipedia. But the other, uh, Andrews, or Andrews, uh, I'll have to look it up. Yeah. Do you remember? Walt Andrews. Walt Andrews. Walt Andrews. Walt. A N D U R U S. And John Schusler, S-C-H-U-E-S-S-L-E-R, and Alan R. Utke, according to Wikipedia, founded May 31st, 1969. If you'd like to write that down, anybody, or Janet. 
<laughs> May 31st, 1969. And I came into that reality in 67. And man walked on the moon June uh, 29th. Oh, wait, is it tomorrow? Or is it? Yeah, is it? Wait. Ju- no, July 20th, 1969. Man walked on the July moon. 20th. Okay, so, July 20th. So this is the anniversary. So How many? This is this is the end. This is the year ending 2019. So 69, 79, 80, 90, 90, The 50th anniversary of the moonwalk, right? Or, or is it? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's the 50th anniversary of the moonwalk on July 9, mm-hmm. 1969. Uh, on on uh, July 9th, July 20th, 2019, it'll be, and that'll be 50 years ago that I met my first husband and I had my first kiss. With my first well, year. There you go. Now, well, we're doctor, looking at the moon. We go, hey, they're going to go walking on the moon. We better get home so we can see it. And then he kissed me, and then I ran home. And wow. I saw Dr. Scott, you have a history with MUFON. Uh, do you know how many years you paid your dues? Because they used to make us pay annually. <laughs> now you can pay weekly or monthly, I think. But uh, do you know how many years you actually paid in back in the day when Stanton Friedman was around? <laughs> From '69, yeah, they told me I couldn't year. join. What? I paid in every year. I think since the 1990s, I joined somewhere in the 1990s. Wow. Well, I was part of the formation at NASA in 1969, and Walter Andres and some people in Wisconsin. There was a big argument. They came down, and we had an argument. I know I was there firsthand over who started the original UFO group. <laughs> Huh. And yeah, we've had, and then they came over, uh, one of the gentlemen, I think it was Walt Andrus, and then even when I started writing again in 2007, uh, we talked about the dates that originally started, and we had uh, controversy, so we started getting all that up and putting it on in the internet, and uh, I don't know... It was George Feiler, Stanton Friedman, and then people like yourself back all the way back to Wisconsin. Now, you know uh, Dr. Bruce McAbee and NICAP, and then that couple, we went we took went all the way back to the Wisconsin and Walt Andrews. I guess he worked with them. You remember the couple in Wisconsin? Do you have any intel on that? What uh, couple? It was this couple Not that had uh, – let me see if I can put it with – See, you do know about them. Uh, uh, began newspaper or something. Uh, tell us what you know, Doctor Scott. Well, the couple I can think of was the Lawrence, but I thought they were in Arizona, so I must not uh, be thinking ones. Uh, let's see. Oh, surely I can find this couple because historically, folks, you have to go back with uh, the curious case of the alien phone newspaper headlines 47 crash uh they and then the apro apro there you go there you go janet you need to know this okay A-T-O-R. there's the couple apro that's them that's what i'm looking for apro the aerial phenomenal research APRO. organization okay. that was a big argument i was in part of uh Back in the day with astronauts at NASA, with uh, we were secretive at a house because we couldn't meet at the office. And uh, this gentleman had a huge home with a huge underground library hidden, <laughs> books. 
And he was helping to donate and work with APRO in Wisconsin. And this uh, gentleman was claiming, so there was five or six people that were getting together saying that they started the first UFO group. And you'd think it wouldn't be a big deal, but it was the people going to space in NASA. And I bet we can find people like that. And uh, Ken went to some of those back then (laughs) meetings, I guess you could say. And I believe William Tompkins went to some of those meetings I was in. Of course, I was young, but people didn't know how young I really was. I was very tall. Jan, you've got that picture of what I looked like back then at NASA, the one with the yellow dress and my sisters in front of that Chrysler. Oh, yeah. That was about 1969. Angie's on my hip, and she was 68. And then I had another discussion about UFOs I had to go to. In uh, Montauk, Montauk Point, because of the right. uh, time travel and the Roswell, and were we really doing like Stargate stuff? So that was six. So we can bring all that together. Dr. Scott, you would be the perfect PhD woman to step forth and learn how there is a another. There, you know, there's always the truth that we put out there, and there's the truth behind the truth. And some people, this guy that from Grumman said there's two sides and then the truth. That was a famous Grumman's famous saying, two sides and the truth. And Ken Johnston, who is one of our directors now for the ACO Association, it's for ACO Ascension Center organization I started years ago with uh, Janet and Sasha and Maui. And then uh, since then, we've made it alien contact to work for ACO, and now with uh, Matt and uh, Ken and Janet, too, I guess, and me, Allied Command Organization. So, uh, Dr. Scott, I know what you said. There's a story about the Allied Command in space that needs to come out whether people believe it or not. So it's just really hard for me to write because it's so – it's my reality, and can't, uh, I think Janet and Matt are going to help me, but Dr. Scott, I'd like to invite you because you're smart about publications, and you helped Mutual UFO all those years. So I'm going to invite you in on this story just based on the truth tonight that I told you on the air because that's my truth. I just don't know how – I'm so emotionally uh, – uh, let me let Amad say it. Amad, I'm too emotionally attached to my truth. So – I need help. Oh, yeah, because it's it's your reality now. When somebody looks at it from the outside, they're they're able to, like like I was telling you with your story, it, it's you're telling it in a in a firsthand experience, but it's hard to make it uh, so other people can relate to it. Yes, because it's touching all my nervous system that's attached right. to my neural net. In my bilocation body, maybe somewhere else or in five areas, I like to tell people I'm on five wavelengths. You know, I, I think differently than most. So when I have to tune them that all was in the bubble, same problem with Bill with Bill Tompkins, and they they were all trying to help him get his story out there. Before um, he died, and he and he wrote this book, uh, selected by extraterrestrials, and I love Bill Tompkins. I got to spend some time with him two weeks before he died. But his his book was kind of disjointed, right? And so uh, we were having a lot of meetings, like, how can we get this story out there? Because it's like, you know, it's like your story. It's so phenomenal. Uh, we need to get it in a structure that people can understand it. 
and I don't know what happened. I was at those meetings uh, at the at the um, at Mupond in I think really? 2017 in July, and I was part of these meetings. And and the, it's here two years later. Nothing's happened with Bill Tompkins' story, but Bill Tompkins worked in NASA, and and so has it come out the new book, or what's but going Janet, on? Yeah. Janet, I told you that Dr. He, the men would always herd me away from him. I was very, very pretty, and he was very sweet, but he would be hard to focus on uh, Interstellar when a pretty girl was around. And I have not read his book, but I heard he sort of went on that, right? But uh, they they had me Well, there's meeting. some things I want to share off air about that, but I don't want to say right, well, that on the air Ohio. about that. Yeah. All right. Well, I met him in a hangar at Dayton, Ohio, and I met him uh, in another hangar. I don't know why we were meeting in hangars. Uh, we met somewhere in San Diego, I believe, near Qualcomm uh, later on in life. So I, I, I think I met him in San Diego because I was over at Balboa. Now, Stanton Friedman and I were working on the Jesse Marcel case back at the day, time when Bill Tompkins was involved. And then... Uh, uh, when I went to Jesse Marcel's house in Louisiana, uh, he said we just missed the guy earlier, but the men in black had us go into Jesse's house at midnight. They picked me up in a Navy van. So this is a whole story that's separate from the Allied Command. So that's another thing uh, that you and Mad need to know if you are going to help me, is the fact that there's stories within stories inside this whole 1969 that Dr. Scott is fixing to – Fixing to going to myself. <laughs> Dr. Scott, you nail you. You're fixing to. Well, well Dr. Yeah. Scott needs to know there's a bunch of other things that was going on the whole time she was in. It's just people weren't allowed to talk to her about it, or any other investigator for that matter, right? So, uh, Dr. Scott, how would we arrange for this? Because Ken, Ken is with us. Yeah. And Dr. Tompkins is gone, but I, me and Ken aren't going to be around very much longer. He's going on 78. I'm going on 68, and I'm barely holding my bilocation in this body right now. <laughs> I, you know. I would write down everything you possibly know, and that way you can have a record of it. Yeah, get it written. People can I keep study saying, it get it written. So even when yeah. you're dead, they can study it if you can get it written. But that's the hard – see, a lot of these people that have been in the secret space program um, have problems doing their timeline. And so uh, one of the super because soldiers, Rodriguez, and they, they can't do their – they can't go linear. They can't do it sequentially. They can't get it seen written. And so only bits and pieces – I think it's a trauma-induced by – you know, whoever's controlling this program, they don't want them to tell the full story, so they have troubles focusing and doing a timeline. Uh, so, I, anyway, uh, Thomas and I are going to work with TJ and hopefully get a timeline out of her because it ties in. And I've been doing the bigger picture, right? I, I stepped outside of the box and I look at everybody's stories, and there is a. You, you mentioned the the sexy stuff, and that's. It, it, I'll just say this. I'll give you guys a hint. Watch. Um, What's it called? The um, Angel. Uh, it's on CBS. Um, Strange Angel. And there's a tie-in with the the sexiness. Then that's what that was going on with um, uh, what's his name? Bill Tompkins. You know, they were having what these sexy parties. 
No offense, Janet. I'm not trying to make this go south or twisted. But you saw whatever that was, and I didn't even, wasn't even trying to use it. But even at old age guys, we, I, Dr. Scott, I met Janet and Sasha in his mind or in our mind for the first time. Yeah, but I don't want to where really share that in public. No, yeah, no, I, I mean, it's just the fact that we yeah. met. And and Janet is a very good tantrika, and so am I. But we understand uh, the reality that there is a level of energy that people can address that has something to do extraterrestrially that's used, that we've got to find a scientific way to do that. So you're saying they're addressing that in this television show? It's, thing? it's fictionalized. It's kind of like uh... – and, and it's fictionalized, but it's it's what was in um, Tompkins' books, and it's what you were saying. You were saying that you you were very tall and gorgeous and sexy, so they use sexuality with their agents. It's just like um, you saw it in the '60s. What was that called? The the, the spies, uh, James, James Bond. Bond. It's just like James Bond, and that yeah, factor goes through be, NASA. Yeah. It goes through yeah. NASA and it goes through the spies and it goes through this movement, and it, it, that's what they talk about the the girls that came from Germany. When when you were around them, the the guys' tongues were all falling out, and, and the, when they're in the room, there was this sexual energy, and the guys' tongues are playing it out, and they're trying to work. They could concentrate. They could not concentrate, but these we girls to keep them on. We wound up being there. Their handlers, because we we have to focus them and tell them no, do this or do that, and you know you need to do this. It's to keep them on target. But we we were psychic, Janet. We had to keep them working together. I, uh, a lot they were the control. <laughs> they use sexuality at the Montauk Project, and you know you know you can look and see the the sexual energy. The the grays are always. You know, having humans not only just taking their eggs and sperm, but they have humans copulating with each other on ship. And there's some kind of, uh, they feed on the energy of other people's emotions and and sexual experiences. So that's one part that most uh, scientific people, quote unquote, won't look at. But it's like, we need to look at this. And that's one of the puzzling things about Bill Tompkins. And now he's dead. But if you read his book, <laughs> um, you'll get some clues on a part that gets left out of the UFO movement. UFO and UFOs and sexuality. That's a book that needs to be written. I don't think I could do it, but um, well, I don't want to deal with that part of it. But Ken has a copy. I never got a copy or read uh, his book. I I just felt like I didn't. If I ever get this story straight, I didn't want it filtered into my story. I didn't want to read. You know, his book, and then maybe my brain thinks it's my thoughts. I didn't want to do that. So that's why I haven't read, read his book. You know, it's just out of self-protection for my own life story. You know, and I've got to do Tom's story, so I don't need to do William Tompkins' story. But, you know, they cross paths, just like Dr. Scott's crossing our path. This is the second time. And I oh, know there's something with her. Time, uh, just wanted to give you a heads up, it's... Dr. Scott, yeah. we would love to have you back again and just to discuss things other than your past life or my past life. But let's do this again, uh, maybe. Uh, when when do you speak at the MUFON? Uh, the 26th? Um, we got 
Yeah, I'll be back back here on um, the, just a minute. Uh, I'll be finished on the, um, I think on the 28th, on the 29th. I'll be back on the 30th. Maybe we can have you back again in a couple of weeks before you go, maybe around the 15th or something, because you're speaking at the MUFON 50th Anniversary Symposium, folks, Saturday, July 27th through Monday, July 29th at the Hotel Irvin in Irvin, California. It's called the MUFON Symposium. It's a really big deal for UFO enthusiasts, researchers, historians, authors, authors, artists alike. Please uh, look into it uh, for something to do July 27th through the 29th. And we would appreciate you mentioning you heard it right here on TJMRCT Radio, so we would appreciate that. Dr. Scott, it's been wonderful. Janet and Sasha, Doc, Janet, Sasha, yep. Janet and Tom are, are hosts and producers, and uh, uh, Thomas Becker and Janet Lesson. Uh, Sasha is her husband, Dr. I've been working with him off and on for years and probably for eons and lifetimes. So thank you, everybody, and uh the magazine hopefully will be finished soon. It uh, is. And it's on your Skype for your check or approval. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. So uh, it's asking me something. Uh, it says, will I accept it? That's, what does that mean? Yeah, down, download it. and That's the, uh, uh, the finished version, and I've got it so it can be altered. So that's just All a, right. Well, let's put Dr. Scott in the next issue when she comes back from speaking. And I have Dr. an advertisement for her in this one. Oh, really? All right. Dr. Scott, we're already promoting you in our in our first right. magazine. <laughs> Good. So you're going to be one of our spokespersons for our ACO and our Allied Command. How about that? So. How about it? Yeah, that's pretty good. Doctor, we'd like to have you back, and uh, thank you so much for your valuable time, and I still want to work with you any way I can. So please put me in your, I would say Rolodex. That's how old I am, folks. I tell people put me in a Rolodex. (laughs) Put me in your cell phone. (laughs) Okay. Okay, let's uh, get TJ in that cell phone. (laughs) Okay. That was a Um, good image. Dr. Scott, we can find you on Facebook. That's just basically what we all use because we're all friends on Facebook. You're Dr. Irene McCammon Scott. Is that what you want? McCammon Scott? Is that your name on Facebook? Yeah, that's because there's several Irena Scotts, so I distinguish myself. Good job. Yeah, I had to do Teresa J. Morris, although on Facebook I'm, I have the name T-H-E-R-E-S-A-M-O-R-R-I-S, folks. That's me. It's just there's already 5K, but there's TJ Mars Agency, which I use as my business name, but they allow me to have that. And I've got 10 or 20 more. And the reason was they were only allowing me 5,000. I was filling those up so fast. But I've cleaned up a bunch of them because some of them were bots. And <laughs> we can get into that later. Thank you, everybody. Uh, I guess we'll do this, uh, I guess, Sunday with uh, Brett later, I believe, and uh, – I guess, uh, Doctor, if you can come in a couple of weeks, we'll have more notice that you'll be here if you can make it uh, on another Friday night. So uh, just stay in touch with us on Facebook and Ahmed. And uh, we'll, uh, by the way, just uh, let us know and we'll put any information you want out there on the website. So, T. 
Chum, our association, UFO Association and UFO Association and all of that, okay? I'll get your books and your links and make you a page, okay? Well, thank you. Oh, yeah, you bet. All right, love and light, everybody. Uh, Janet, call me later. And Amanda, I'm going to look uh, at your magazine. You call. All right. You call, we hang you. up. Much love and blessings. Aloha. Thank, thank you. you. We'll have Dr. Dr. Scott okay. back, hopefully, if she'll agree in a couple of weeks, okay? Thank you, Dr. Well, thank Scott. You're at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations. Or websites are not responsible for what guests, hosts, or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only.